Hello, hello again, and welcome to Mondo Rando Radio on MidtownRadio.ca. My name is Randolph J. It's a pleasure to be with you once again, and the premise of this show is a simple one. Each week we host intimate and interactive chats with familiar friends, fascinating strangers about their passions. Could be anything week to week. It could be soapbox derbies, marching bands, archaeology, anything that gets our guests excited is bound to get us excited as well. Now the guests will be sharing their fondness for various subjects, and occasionally they may even share their strategies for dealing with everything else in life. Of course, any opinions or experiences expressed will be unique to each guest and should not be taken as official advice to any particular listener. Please always remember to put safety first when starting a new activity and listener discretion is always advised. Today's topic, forming a Celtic band. And today's guest, Chris Whelan of The Shenanigans, a fantastic local band that he's been running for more than a few years now. Chris will be with us for the next hour. And if you have any questions at all about what Chris is up to or how to start your own band, I'm sure he would love to hear from you. You can drop me a line. I'll happily pass it along to Chris. My email address is radiorando at gmail.com. You can find Mondo Rando on Facebook and and on Instagram, it's Mondo Rando Radio. But for now, let us get to our conversation today with our very good friend, Chris Whelan of The Shenanigans. Chris Whelan, welcome. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes to chat with us about Celtic music, of all things. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's I'm great. Thanks for having me. So last week, I was talking with Paul Langan. I'm not sure if you know him. He's a great local author here in Cambridge. And he is gearing up to get a Celtic band going. I thought, well, we got to find out more about wow. Celtic music, musicians, and how get, to get a band going. And I thought maybe we would talk a little bit about uh, your music, what you do, how you got into it, what your musical influences are, maybe that sort of thing, how you start a band. Because I know a lot of people are looking to start bands, and really the mechanics of that can be translated across genres, Celtic, country, rock, folk reggae whatever it happens to be so i thought we would go in that in that direction sound good yeah for sure beautiful all right well let's start with you this is chris chris whelan is among other things uh a local musician uh with a group called the shenanigans which uh, before the pandemic were everywhere playing celtic uh how would you describe your your music well i mean celtic's a broad term that covers a, a wide range of of uh the Celtic nations music over many decades, but um, we were predominantly a more of a Canadianized uh, Irish, Scottish East coast band. So um, it's, it's really Irish folk music. Okay. But but it, when the Clancy brothers came over to Canada and then made their way to New York, they kind of Americanized it. So even people in Ireland had never heard, Irish folk music done this way and American folk at the time, obviously in the, in the fifties, early sixties was, was really the big thing. So it kind of became a combination of, of American folk and traditional Irish music. Most of the time when you say Celtic, most people, if they're familiar at all with the term Celtic music, they think of Irish music, but it's also Scottish and Welsh and and Brittany and Cape Breton and Arcadian. Well, that's what the Celtic term meant once upon a time, yeah, was it not? Celtic really covers a lot mm-hmm. of different subgenres, right? Right. So, but does, so that's so the, the first step is right. figuring out where in the Celtic world do you want to be. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. Well, I've always been uh, interested in the fact that if you if you speak to a musician in a certain genre. There are so many rules within that genre that if you're not, if you're just, you know, dabbling, if you're just, I like this bit of music, I like that bit of music, you don't really understand the, the subtle nuances, the kinds of things that uh, I know bluegrass is famous for this. If you if you aren't within these parameters, you're this kind of bluegrass or that kind of bluegrass, and right. people within it take it to varying degrees of severity. Would it be fair to, fair to say that? Yeah, that's perfect, because that's a perfect way to describe Celtic music, um, yeah. because like the shenanigans would never be allowed on the Celtic, uh, Celtic College in Godridge, because <laughs> they don't, they snub their nose at it. We're like, we're like very folk, 
music, very, very grassroots, you know, kind of street musicians. They're right. very classical, you know, nothing, nothing against them. It's, it's, uh, it's a wonderful uh, festival they have in Godridge. Godridge is very, uh, as far as local, it's the, the closest hotbed for real traditional Celtic music, but, but serious, like you're talking. That's why we were called shenanigans. Because we didn't want to be serious, and we didn't want to, we didn't want to have to conform to any of those rules. We just wanted to have fun and play, you know, Irish, Scottish, East Coast, and then throw in some Van Morrison and some Rolling Stones because you know they're from England and Ireland too. So it's we're we're exactly what you were talking about, more of a, a mix mash of everything. Yeah, we were like a, like a kitchen party come to life, sort of. Yeah, with a with a Celtic theme, you know, we're like we're like an Irish pub where we got some shamrocks on the walls and yeah, call ourselves <laughs> Irish. Yeah, no, but I, everybody's I, Irish on Patty's Day. So that's true. Well, as I understand it, St. Patrick's Day is much a much bigger deal here in North America than it is in Ireland. Well, it was. It's not anymore. Well, it's a tour, but it's, over there, it's a, over there, it's a tourist trap now. Well, now it is. Yeah. Um, it used to be a very solemn religious holiday. and yeah, everything There's a saint closed. in it. <laughs> yeah. Well, everything was closed. The yeah. bars were not allowed to be open on St. Patrick's Day because it was a sacred, solemn, religious holiday where you stayed home. You went to church first, and then yeah. you went home, and you didn't... It was like like a, like Sunday on steroids where you did nothing <laughs> but, but th- contemplate, you know your sins and and have a meal as a family and no alcohol and yeah and you check the basement for snakes it was very very uh, sad and solemn yeah check the basement for snakes that's a good one <laughs> have you been to Ireland? my daughter you, you... really wanted to to go to this rock um in near tipperary where it's it's a it's a really cool medieval place where saint patrick actually it was, it was his stomping grounds and they have oh, yeah. the uh, cashel it's called cashel yeah and they have this big rock there, and it's supposedly this was like, like St. Patrick Central. Oh yeah, and it was really cool. So we went there, and and got, well, here Tipperary is great, but I hear it's a long way to go. <laughs> it's a long way to Tipperary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but yeah, it's funny because my band Shenanigans actually evolved into a really an East Coast band because all the musicians I could find locally were were from the East Coast more so than. You know, they all have Irish and Scottish ancestry, like uh, Newfoundland and and even, uh, you know, Cape Breton and Halifax and New Brunswick, that whole area. Well, PEI especially. I think PEI has the highest Irish population in Canada. Um, but but they're more they're more Irish there today than Ireland. And it's funny because last time I was in Ireland, the everyone that was winning all the competitions, like Irish dancing, Irish... Mm-hmm. Uh, fiddle playing and boron and everything. it was all people from the United States and Canada. Yeah, well, there was I think no Irish winning. <laughs> the, well, there's the serious there's a, competitors come from here. Well, there's a there's a real legitimacy to that because uh, when uh, uh, there when there's a diaspora, when a group of people leave a certain area, everything about the time they left is frozen. So, for example, sure. my wife's family were from Sicily. And they, but they spent, you know, 50 years in Canada. And so the Sicily that they left doesn't, doesn't exist anymore because it, it's frozen with them. Yeah. And I think, and, and as a result, a lot of people would move over here from the old country, be it Ireland or Scotland. And yeah. the time they leave, the, if they keep it with them and they keep their traditions alive, that it stays frozen well, at that time. Yeah, they're more likely to keep the traditions because they don't want to lose that connection to their homeland, right? Is is your daughter a musician as well? Is she a musician? Yeah. Uh, let's let's say both my kids are musical, um, but <laughs> neither have taken it up to any degree of seriousness. All right, well, let's go to you. So let's my start daughter, with you. So maybe, let's... Like, she can play Danny Boy on the piano, but she's not what? really... A musician as such. Well, well, depending on the health of your family, that comes in more often than or not, you know, because you really only hear yeah. funerals, right? But, or it's like Patrick's Day, of course. But so let's let's go. Let's start with you. Like, where did you? Are you from? Where are you from originally? I was born in Mount Kisco, New York. 
New York State. Yeah. New York State. And whereabouts Just in the where's... little north of New York City. Okay. Um, and the reason I was born in Mount Kisco, New York, is because my father immigrated from Ireland to New York in the 1950s. And I was going to say, it's funny you should say that um, your wife's from Sicily. Well, my mom is, her maiden name's Mortolero, and my grandfather, my maternal grandfather's from Sicily. Over again. And if you ever saw the movie Brooklyn, that's my parents in New York City, only in reverse. She was Italian, and he's the Irishman over from Ireland. Right. And was born on Long Island. And uh, and that's where they met, and they and they uh, they had a mutual interest in in ballroom dancing, and they danced at Radio City Music Hall and all that in the fifties. So it's quite a quite a uh, to me, it's a very romantic, uh, very Irish American story. Well, it's a love story. I thought you were going to say love story, the, the... very very much uh, you know Irish American, and then. Uh, you know, of course, we immigrated to Canada. I have two older brothers that were born there, and they're six and eight years older than me. And then we, I was eight months old when we immigrated to Canada. Yeah. And we came to Brantford because I had an uncle and a cousin who were living in Brantford that my parents had brought us to visit. And uh, so we, he, he saw Brantford as, as just, the most beautiful place on earth where it was at the, in 1970, the Canadian dollar was way up higher than the American dollar. Yeah. And my, my dad was an automobile mechanic. So he had a job like that. They were, they were crying for mechanics in Brantford. And, uh, he specialized cause he came from Europe. He knew all the European cars and, uh, specialized in, in British Leyland type Automobiles. In fact, um, the owner of the old schoolhouse had a, a, a Jaguar, and he wouldn't oh, take yeah. it to anyone else but my dad, because my dad knew Jaguar. I always, so, I'll tell you, I always wanted a Jaguar when I was a kid. I thought the Jaguar <laughs> was long, the coolest. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, I don't even know if he's still around. My dad's not. My dad passed away in 2005. But um, anyway, that's. That was a loaded question. <laughs> That's, was it, was, it wasn't so much a loaded question as it was a long answer. Well, I just mean it wasn't what, what you expected. That's all right. Uh, hey, that's, good. that's how that's how we get to know people, right? But uh, no, and Brantford, Brantford gets a lot of stick from people. I like Brantford a lot. There's a lot to be said for Brantford. It's and and it's having a renaissance. Like I, I keep telling people, like you wait and see Brantford in another few years because a lot of great things are happening in Brantford, and it and it it has always been a great city, and it was mm. a it was a wonderful, beautiful, vibrant city when we immigrated to Canada, and it was full of immigrants, and still is. And that's why one of the biggest multicultural fests in the area is the Brantford Villages. And so I I grew up Irish American Canadian <laughs> um, in that respect because uh, and and Italian yeah. so very much an immigrant family first generation here born uh, well born in America anyway and we grew up with the music and the food and and uh, and it's funny because my father played in a in a very popular uh, dance band called the cameos in the, in the 1970s. And they were anything but Irish music. They were, they were pop music. Uh, and, and it was just kind of funny, but he would, he would still pull out his accordion. We called it his squeeze box. Yeah. And people would go nuts. That's what I witnessed. And that's, the next to answer your next question, <laughs> I witnessed how much people responded to the accordion, which was not a a cool instrument for a kid to want to play. Well, you're talking um, to a guy who plays a sousaphone, Chris. So I'm with you, right? And what what a cool combination that's going to be is a, yeah. a sousaphone and a button and button accordion. It's very much uh, important to make the distinction of the button accordion. Yeah. As opposed to what most people know as the piano accordion. Yeah. Either way, they'll, they'll 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 run us out of Godrich on a rail. Either way. 
They will, yeah, <laughs> but they're they're entirely different instruments. Yes. Well, no, accord, accordion uh, actually is a very uh, serious Celtic instrument, but it's also played everywhere else in the world. Okay. So a concertina is the octagon-shaped little accordion. All right. And the two-row straight box. Yeah. A lot of a lot of players call it just call them a box. The box. Yeah. Um, that's a melodeon two right. row, and then there's the big three row, which in diatonic that's usually about as big as you get, as far as Celtic music. It's three rows, yeah, and each row is a different key, and that's in a that's in in Germany, which Horner being one of the biggest manufacturers of these things, um, they literally call it a harmonic. Oh yeah, because a diatonic accordion is a harmonica with bellows. So instead mm-hmm. of blowing through it, the bellows are pushing the air through. And the key is different on the push and the draw, which is a major difference from a piano accordion. A piano accordion, it doesn't matter whether you're pushing or pulling. The keys, the, the, when you push the key, it's the same. And it plays like a piano. Right. But there's many different kinds of accordions because then there's there's chromatic button accordions as well, which are the ones with a zillion buttons on both sides Yeah, that I couldn't even navigate if I wanted to. So when you talk about the, the accordion being uh, when it, you, it's the same note when you're pulling out as it is when you're pushing in going from that to one that is a different note different. when you're, then that's, that's like going from an, uh, an automatic to a, a, a manual yeah. transmission. That's gotta be, you won't, you won't find too many accordion players that can play both. Yeah. One one exception is Walter Ostenak, our own, our very own Walter. He he actually start. I met him in person at the German Hall in Mississauga. Oh, what, when was that? And oh, I want to say somewhere around 2016 or something like that. Yeah. Oh, no, so not that long ago. Not that long ago, no. But I and I knew of him obviously my whole life, but. um he he said he started out playing button. Yeah. And he switched to piano because of course a piano according could play anything in any key. It's a chromatic instrument, so it's much more versatile, which is what I was telling you. If you yeah. want to play jazz music or any other kind of music, I you you'd be better off on a piano, but I wouldn't be able just like you said, it'd be for me, it'd be like switching to standard transmission and never having dr- driven one before. Well, and the, so, you think you think too that um, the flexibility is everything because if you have to if you can only play in so many tones, then if you play the harmonica, it's one thing. You can have ten harmonicas in a case. You can play the, the, the scale, but you know you can't cart carting one accordion around is enough to get you beat up. Carting ten around is gonna I don't know or twelve. I guess seven. I have seven. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's got to be uh, that's I've that's commitment to your art. That's commitment to your I've, yeah. <laughs> so it's so funny because I started out a drummer and I thought, well, this was a dumb idea. I'm lugging a drum set around. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm the worst. I picked the worst instrument in the band, the drums, right? And the original shenanigans started with me on the drums and my father playing button accordion. And when he passed away, I'm like, haha, I'm going to get rid of these drums and carry around an accordion. It'll be so much lighter. <laughs> <laughs> And he only ever played the one accordion with three keys. Right. And he didn't care who you were. You either play with them or you don't. Yeah. And, and if you're a drummer, yeah. it doesn't matter what key you're playing in. Really. Yeah. And he and he didn't care um, about what you wanted to play. <laughs> he played what he played, and you either played with them or you or you could hit the road. Yeah. <laughs> so when I I I wanted to be a little more flexible. <laughs> so when I started up. I kind of restarted Shenanigans, which was the band that him and I had started in the 19, late 1980s when I was just a teenager. I was on playing dry. I wanted to play with my dad. I couldn't wait to get old enough to be able to play with him and play dances and bars and stuff. So we had the band Shenanigans for quite a few years. And then and then he passed away and it kind of went on hiatus while I learned how to play the accordion because I really didn't know how to play so was it just the two of you to start? The band was just the two of you? It was the two of us, and then whoever 
came came along. So right. that's why we love the name Shenanigans because it was just um and we were we were a serious band but we were seriously fun. <laughs> and we had fiddle players and banjo players and whoever bass players whoever showed up and wanted to was a shenanigan and we would play we would book gigs that way and we would play uh, gigs together play dances all over Brantford and Paris and Burford and uh, mostly at the legions and places like that and that's where we seem to go over the best especially outside of St. Patty's Day there's not a lot of there's not a lot of people looking for Irish bands outside of the month of March <laughs> this is why when when I reformed the shenanigans I wanted to be a band that could play all these festivals and things and I had and I knew that I couldn't just have my one accordion and go, you know, you play Danny boy or nothing. Yeah. I had to be able to have a band that could play the music that the people want to hear and they want to come out to and that, and that the festivals would be um, hiring for. So we actually did quite well. So, cause I, I didn't want to uh, burst Paul's bubble by saying there's no gigs outside of St. Patty's day. That's absolutely not true. There's lots of gigs, but you have to be good. <laughs> you have to be serious about um, catering to to those audiences. Um, and one of the first things that I did was really focus on a lot of Scottish music mm -hmm. because there's a lot of Scottish in this area, and there's a lot of big Scottish festivals, and you don't want to <clears throat> you don't want to limit yourself. So, yeah. um, so play, being able. To, to play so that's why i have seven accordions so i have every key i need so that i can play any song you want yeah and with the band so the band because the the other thing too is now we have singers that sing in whatever key they want to sing in and i have to be able to to cater to them not the other way around they're not going to change their vocal for me <laughs> which is what my dad would make you do he'd go well if you can't sing it in b flat then don't sing it like that was his attitude. <laughs> Fair. Well, you know, you know, Charlie Parker used to have this thing where he, if he wanted people to stop jamming with him, like he'd be jamming, and you know, yeah. everyone wanted to play with Charlie Parker, so they'd get up and start jamming with him. And if he, he was tired of them, he wanted to get rid of them. He would call out that we want to play. In, we're gonna, we're gonna switch to be natural. So just be natural, right. and everybody would just <laughs> get off the stage because no one wanted to play <laughs> be natural. Right? Isn't that what the bagpipes are in? <laughs> well, you know, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say no, you're, seriously, but, they're but, they're only in they're in B, I think B natural or B. Well, flat. they've got the drone thing. I'm not sure how well, that they operates, can, but they can tweak it a little. Or it's in uh, there's one other key. Is it? It might be D. I have I've, no idea. I've but played, but played with bagpipes. I love. Got, they have the Doppler effect that when you walk away, they kind of change key gradually. The further away they <laughs> they well even. Uh, I had I had a guy come here the once and, and we were rehearsing for. A, for a gig where all I wanted was a piper to pipe us in. It wasn't even me. The venue wanted a, a piper to march into the, into the venue. It was a big uh, food festival in Kitchener. Yeah. And they thought it would be really cool to have, you know, two or three sets of pipes march us in onto the stage. And then the shenanigans would take over from there. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm all for pomp and pageantry. I thought that was what, a great. Idea. What could go wrong? What could possibly go so, wrong? I mean, I live in a hotbed of of pipers. the the Paris the Paris Paris Air Piper Band. We got a great piper band, marching band, right here in Paris that that competes all over the world and wins. And so I know a lot of the pipers. So I got I got some pipers for for the gig. And of course, they got paid as much as I did. To just to march us in because <laughs> that's one thing about bagpipers they don't play for free <laughs> well yeah but fortunately they don't play for long either they don't and that's that's why they're brilliant because they don't they don't have to play long and they get paid well and they're very <laughs> smart guys yeah don't ever don't ever doubt that um us irish folks we're there six hours trying to make you know a dime well, I was going to say, so, but, you're, but you're playing the accordion. I mean, uh, Oktoberfest is underway as we speak. I mean, I'm surprised I you're knew not you were going to bring that up. Yeah. That's funny. Um, yeah, this time of year, uh, we wouldn't be very busy. <laughs> as an Irish but man. We, yeah. we actually did audition for, um, 
for Oktoberfest at the Transylvania Club. And we came very close to replacing the band that had been there for 18 years. Oh, wow. And because of that, I made sure our price was really high because I don't believe in taking other people's gigs. And I I didn't want to be the band that, you know, undercut anybody. I was going to say, it's not so, about taking the gig. It's about undercutting. Well, exactly. I mean, yeah. it, that's the thing. We were prepared to take the gig because if they're going to hire somebody, then hire us. But but we uh, we made sure our price was was up there mm-hmm. and and hopefully help the band that continued to stay maybe get it maybe get a little more respect because <laughs> <laughs> it was a it, it, that's a hard gig that's a long day and a long night because they you play show after show after show so i admire those guys but there there's been there was many attempts made for the shenanigans to play at one of the one of the poor lonely pubs in town that was empty on oktoberfest because everybody was in the the festival, and nobody was going to McCabe's anymore. You know, during that whole stretch, so we were we were doing that, and we'd get hired to to try and pull some people in. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Long story short, it did not work. We just learned to take off the two weeks in October. <laughs> but that was this is pre. We're talking pre COVID as well. Oh yeah, I mean, so all bets are off now. We played a few gigs last year, but everything I'm talking about is pre pre COVID. COVID really did did a serious amount of damage to the music industry uh, and the bar business yeah. as a whole. So it's still it's still recovering very slowly, as you probably know. Yeah. So how? Let me ask you this: how 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 many how many shenanigans are there? Like how many members in your band now? Currently, or at its peak, I should say. Okay, at its at its peak, we were we were a five piece, sometimes six piece, but five piece full time. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we're down to about three of us that are still around. Yeah, and we're not we're not really doing much, right. and we're not doing much on purpose, just because the situation um since covid kind of put us on hiatus during the pandemic and then when we when we tried to make a comeback it it was difficult and most of the places are still only hiring like it's probably to our credit that we're three piece now mm-hmm. uh, because that's all anyone's that's the biggest band you're going to get hired right now <laughs> is mm-hmm. a three most of most of the venues right now are looking for solo duo and at best three piece um the festivals are they're almost the opposite they've got a they've got a a real desire to get a big crowd after being shut down for two years and they've got a bit of a bigger budget and they've gotten some government assistance so they're hiring you know like the fergus piling games this year had glass tiger yes my uh, wife was really excited about that she's yeah i mean so that that's awesome, but it makes it uh, less likely that you're going to compete with with those kind of big name bands. Uh, and so you're so you're kind of in a market right now that's that's a little bit tough. So anybody that's uh, looking to start a Celtic band right now, I would say uh, try and keep it lean. So a smaller smaller band, which mm-hmm. is hard because a, a good Celtic band's normally about twelve people. <laughs> um, our band our band had five people playing 12 instruments that's that's the only reason we were able to do five five piece and and be able to play and sound anything like what you expect those those songs to sound like because they're usually big like the the celtic bands are big bands is that is, is that what is, orchestras. is that is that what the the fans are expecting when they come out to see a Celtic band? If you were to put Celtic band in the window of a of a pub and people come if, out to see it, I if mean, you're, if you're going to use the word band, mm-hmm. then yes, I I, I kind of think band means something. Uh, mm-hmm. Not everybody plays by the same definition, but but yeah, if you if you're expecting a band, then you need instruments and you need sound a full sound right 
a, a guy with a guitar is not a band. I don't even. It, it doesn't matter how good his drum machine is. <laughs> um, I do want to say, I, I'm by no means am I any kind of an expert on starting a band or Celtic music, but but I have performed in a Celtic band in the area for longer than I want to admit. So mm-hmm. I have a bit of experience. And I would say right now, that's something you got to give serious thought to. It would depend on what you want to sound like mm-hmm. and the type of music and where you want to play. Because as we started to talk about it, you probably want to be a smaller band, especially starting out if you want to play the local scene which would be your pubs and and smaller festivals and things like that and actually make a few dollars <laughs> yeah or at least not lose you know, too many dollars you know it's yeah. somewhere between losing your shirt and making a few dollars but even even right now to be honest even if you're just playing for fun there's not a lot of gigs for bigger you know more traditional sized bands and the one thing I was going to say, because you had asked about how many how many people you need in a Celtic band, and as opposed to a rock band or a country band, like you, you guitar, guitar, bass, and drums is all you need to have a really good full sound in a rock band or a country band. And if you have that extra rhythm guitar, then you're golden. So four four people you know, is, is more than enough. Yeah. Three, three pieces. Great. In an Irish band, it's or a Celtic band. It's not, it's not as easy because, you know, if you, if you start with bass and drums, you're already like, you haven't even scratched the surface of playing Celtic music yet. And you're already two piece there and you've got to add at least one more. So you, you, you know, that's got to be a very versatile guy or you end up replacing certain people with machines but yeah it's a tough one so the size of the band is something you're going to have to really think about yeah but the thing too is though or if you're, you can if you're, join the shenanigans we're looking for people there hey you know what that's not a bad idea the 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 thing is you say you're not an expert but the fact that you've done it the fact that you've started bands before, the fact that you are familiar with playing in bands, the fact that you have a knowledge of Celtic music, you're you're a, you're further ahead than someone who's never done it. So any advice is better than nothing, you know what I mean? And you've been doing this for some time. I mean, you've been doing this since you're a kid. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. I but I just it doesn't make me an expert. I just wanted to. You and I both know the musicians that would call themselves experts, and how much advice do you take from them? True. <laughs> All right. And and my little band started in my garage and we we've, we've played many many of the bigger festivals and we've opened for a lot of our uh, our idols or big which has been a, a lot of fun. Yeah. I highly recommend trying to my goal with my band was to was to play the big festivals right. because that was going to be a lot of fun and I knew it was going to be a lot of fun. And I knew it was going to be a little wee taste of what it's like to be them, and it and it truly was. It was fantastic. So well, and the thing is, when you're playing a big festival and you've got a thousand plus people out there, uh, it, you you might as well be the Rolling Stones because those people are not cheering for the Rolling Stones at that moment; they're cheering for the band on the stage at that moment. So that's you. you and it's it's those it's those little moments like that that make all the heartache <laughs> because it's a lot of work and a lot of heartache and a lot of blood, sweat and tears and, and a lot of lugging and slugging. And, and, uh, but when you, when you get on, on that stage, you're absolutely, you're so right. That, that is where it's at because there's, you have an outer body experience when you're, when you, you, you hover over the crowd and you see the thousands of people and they're listening to you and you know they're there for the band that's coming after you, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. <laughs> you're you're getting to be the the warm up act, and it's it's the best feeling in the world. Like it's just it's the closest thing that most of us will ever get without becoming a full time you know committed recording artist that that has a platinum album or something. It's the closest yeah. I, I've ever gotten. 
Well, and, um, and one of the, sorry, you just, you're making me reminisce about one of the, one of the best ones was uh, we got to play in Niagara Falls and all summer they have an outdoor concert at Victoria Park right across from the falls. Yeah. On the Canadian side. And they have this big, huge water display. Those are the falls themselves. I'm assuming like that's a pretty big water display. Niagara Falls. Oh no, no, seriously, no. This is this is like this major production, and it's and it tells the story of Niagara Falls in in water and lights. Yeah, it's it's like go figure. You got the falls as the backdrop to this, and it's just amazing. <laughs> and we were there. We got to play there one time. Uh, a few summers ago and it was the end of the summer it was labor day weekend so it was a long weekend niagara falls was packed it was a beautiful sunny weekend so so the tourists were out in full force and that was one of the best gigs ever because we're we're playing in front of just a, it's one of those ones where as far as the eye can see it's just people just a sea of people and they're all clapping and dancing to your music and it's it was really magical yeah, and the the thing too, when you you think about how uh, you're maybe not releasing platinum albums and you're not on some big press junket where you're doing all the stuff, that's the stuff that weighs a lot of performers down. So you're actually at that sweet spot where you're still having fun, you're still in the I can't believe I get to do this frame of mind, as opposed to thinking of it as just another another out of town job where you got to wait in the airport or you got to you know, deal with managers yeah. and luggage. And so, yeah, it, you're, it's a marvelous place to be. It's so true. And we're, we're staying in the same hotel and we're eating the same craft services. And <laughs> we're, you're just like pinching. Someone. I'm so lucky to be here. Yeah. It's yeah. A great, it, no, it's, it's, great. it's very, it's very rewarding. That's yeah. why I say like, really, if, if that's what you would like to experience and then, then really shoot for that and go for it because there's no reason we're living proof that you can do it. We weren't, we, we got really good at playing very basic traditional, you know, uh, fun Irish folk songs that anybody can play and everybody knows and it's, and it's fun, but we just, we just kept playing the same songs until we got them. So we could play them inside, outside, upside down. Yeah. And once you're there, you can play anything. You can play anywhere. It doesn't. You don't have to be a, a big name to get those. There. In fact, <laughs> we got to play the Sound of Music Festival only because of who we were. Because there was no other band within a hundred mile radius that could open for uh, the Once and um, Natalie McMaster and family. And they were looking for an opening band. And where are you going to find a band that just happens to be and have like, and this was, this was in 2018. So we had had enough years that we had enough experience that we had played enough festivals. We had opened for enough big name acts and we were still a small local band that didn't command a huge amount of money or anything. We were a very rare band to fit that bill. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they actually called me specifically to say, will you open for the once, which is a great band from Newfoundland. And then, and then Natalie McMaster and her family are just amazing. And she has little kids that can, can play circles around all of us. Um, little accordion player just made me want to quit. He was so good. <laughs> No, but it was, that was another that was another rare experience that was just worth every everything we ever did to get there well and i'm sure you you well you may or you may not I would, i'll ask you if you would echo the thought that when you love what you're doing especially in the world of the arts if you love the music that you're creating and you are meeting some really big names really famous folk and they still have that love of music the the communication it's not just hero worship at that point it's two musicians talking about xyz and what they love about this and what they love about that and the various gigs you play whether you're a big band or a small band if you played long enough and often enough you'll look back and some of your biggest lemons are some of your favorite stories and we've all got horror stories that are much better than the success ones yeah 
we can't tell those on radio. But no, not necessarily. Sure. <laughs> but I'm sure Natalie McMaster has some <laughs> horror stories as well. You know. Oh yeah. Well, all I can tell you is there's there's somebody when uh, you know it's always scary when you meet your idols, um, and she's just the most genuine, down to earth, wonderful person I've ever met. She she treated us like we were equal. In fact, she was inviting us to come play her Celtic festival that she had every year in Peterborough because they were playing so much in Ontario that they had, they had a residence here. Yeah. And uh, as well as, as well as down East. And then the pandemic hit, it was the very next year practically because that was 2018. And then we played, we played, uh, the last folk fest in the Ingersoll, the Canterbury Festival in 2019. Mm-hmm. And then we were due to play Natalie McMaster's festival in 2020, or at least that was the hope and the dream and the plan. Yeah. And everything stopped. Yeah. So. But hey, listen, it's it's only been a couple of years since then or three years since then. Get her on the horn. Oh, yeah. Hey, Things Natalie. are coming back. And that's why... That's why we have time now to. Uh, well, I told her. I said, now when I call you, you won't hang up on me. Hopefully, yeah. well, and and Peterborough. That's a, Peterborough's just a day. A, Peterborough's a day trip. You can go to Peterborough. Yeah. Well, I don't even know if they're there because I know. I know at one point they just packed up and and went home because everything was done. Right. So mm-hmm. there hasn't been a festival for a couple of years, and sadly, there's been a number of festivals that we used to play that don't exist. Yeah. So hopefully with the improvements in the economy, they'll come back. But that's something though, those are the things that you you may not think about. Like maybe you just want to be a bar band and that's great too. And that's a lot of fun too, but that's a different kind of band. Yeah. And I always had I always had a tug of war with my musicians because some of them just wanted to play in the bars every weekend and they were happy. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be a bar band. So so the the first big challenge is deciding what kind of band you want to be and where you want to play and how many people is it going to take to get you there those are the kinds of questions that will determine what you what you have as resources beyond that because a certain type of band it's going to require x amount of dollars it's going to require x amount of hours it's going to require time and money those are your two biggest assets well, and that's why it's kind of your that's your ultimate goal. And mm-hmm. but I had to start out like everybody, like you take whoever you can get and you just start playing. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that either. Like you you don't have to start where you're going. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> but, yeah. So so start start with whoever and and get jamming. But it helps that it's it helps to have that that plan because it really becomes a thing with with who you're playing with too. Because like I said, not everybody's on the same uh dream list as you are and i i had i had gone through a, a few people that because they just want they didn't want to be that committed to have to to you know and they didn't want to play that kind of gig they just wanted to be done work friday and go blow off some steam at the local pub yeah and and jam and that's great and it's fun but that's not what i wanted yeah I think the the days of just guitar, bass, and drums all the time, everywhere, has gotten to the to the point where it's oversaturated. And if you're going to start a band, start something unique. Yeah. And you'll you'll have more fun. You'll get more gigs. You'll you'll surprise people. You'll you'll be less compared to anyone else. Yeah. Which is a big thing. Yeah, that's true. And uh, so those are all good and. And also when it comes to the Celtic music, I just wanted to to mention that there's there's lots of sessions going on all over the cities. Um I'm not so sure what's happening these days in KW, but uh I know Cambridge is a good hotspot for Celtic music. Lots of uh, there's the Newfoundland Club and there's there's uh there's a few pubs that have sessions where you you just get together on a Sunday afternoon in a in a pub mm-hmm. and you bring your instrument and you just jam. Yeah, and, and jams great, are fantastic. That's a great way to to meet people that are into the Celtic music, the cork the cork 
town pub in Hamilton's another uh, hot spot. There's there's Godridge, there's London. There's I know there's a session in London regularly that everyone's welcome. You can you can find these on Facebook for the most part. Most of them mm-hmm. have Facebook groups, and uh, you go and you play and you learn. and And the Facebook groups are great because they'll they'll actually. Um, say what they're working on they'll tell you this is the song we're going to play next sunday mm-hmm. and you might you sometimes you get 30 40 50 musicians in mm-hmm. one of these sessions and you're all playing the same song mm-hmm. and uh, the one in london just recently the irish rovers were in town playing at the the theaters and they showed up at the session at the, the bar the irish rovers the irish rovers wow vancouver yeah one thing I would say, and maybe you can get your get, get your thoughts on this, is if you can join a band at least on the periphery, find out if you find out if you actually want to start a band or not. Because the idea of starting a band sounds great, but unless you've actually played with a band for a little while and got your feet wet, maybe it's not what you want to do. No, there's that's so true. There's a lot of advantages to just joining someone else's band and, and someone that's already got something happening. And, uh, it takes a lot of, <laughs> a lot of the work that is involved in starting a band from scratch is a lot of work. Well, and you can learn from the, from the right. successes and from the mistakes that you're seeing. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you gotta be a glutton for punishment. If, <laughs> like me, <laughs> but, um, but no, I'm 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 at that point myself where I'm I'm I've been doing the same thing for a long time, and I'm ready for some new adventures with new people and try different things. And excellent. Um, same with the other members of my band, and then what we were talking about earlier. We're we're all we're all best friends, and we 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 get along great. No nobody is mad at anybody, and nothing bad happened. It's just it's just where we're at, and. Uh, that that is a that is another thing to try and strive for like try and not burn bridges and not hate each other at the end of the day you're just you're all just trying to play music yeah for sure <laughs> keep well, the hope, drama out of it yeah you know you're exactly you're right you're you're right and that's why i always say it's not about starting at the bottom and moving to the top you start at the beginning and you just move along until you reach it's the a end. journey it's a journey yeah it's a journey it's not an elevator journey. It's a, it's, a, it's not a destination. It's a journey. It's, it's the journey that, that matters. Once you get there, it's then it's over. Well, and there's no there there, right? There is no there. No. <laughs> True. How do you, how do you know when you get there? Well, I mean, if you if you if you dream the way I do, you know you'll never get there. You just keep you just keep striving for a little bit better, a little bit bigger. Mm. Uh, and you try and you take your little your little victories along the way and you celebrate that. And I forget, I forget who the artist was, there's a, but there's a painter. I, maybe it was Picasso. I may, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'll look this up before I figure it out. But I, I, it was, uh, he said, no painting is ever finished, only abandoned. Yeah, that's so true. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so let me ask you that before, a couple, just before I let you go, two things I want to know. First of all, uh, do you guys have the, the shenanigans, are you still playing out there? Where are you gigging? Where can people learn more about the shenanigans? Well, our Facebook is is probably our our best resource. And if you go on our uh, shenanigans band and just search it on Facebook, I think I sent you the link. I don't know. Oh, yeah. You, I'll, I'll, I'll share the uh, link for sure. <clears throat> but you can go on there, check us out, and see see some videos and some music and some some funny shenanigans on there and different gigs we play and stuff like that. It does say right now on our banner that we're on hiatus because we, we have, uh, we have lost a couple members of the band. We're down to th- three people that aren't sure what we want to do. Mm-hmm. We're also open and looking for, uh, others, but, but we have, we have a well-established, uh, little, system that works and we have quite a few venues that are you know eagerly awaiting our return so i don't think we'll have any problem making a comeback it's just we're trying to to come out of the pandemic with some sort of new 
energy. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. The ener- the energy really got sucked right out of all of us when the pandemic hit and it was yeah. a it was a hard time. And we we really took a, a major backseat because again, we're not trying to make a living. There were so many musicians whose livelihoods were disrupted that I said, let's let them have whatever there is to have. And anytime we we were approached to do online concerts and things that paid. Mm-hmm. We said no. We'll let we'll let the uh, we'll let the people who need to make a living have those gigs, and we'll come back when things are better. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're at. We're we're waiting. Um, unfortunately, most of the bars around here are still closing at eleven o'clock. <laughs> um, the music scene's very sad right now. <laughs> yeah. The, well, and the thing you I mean, you've new got- energy. Yeah, but the good news is the good news is you're in a wonderful position because you have the name, you have the reputation, you have a template that works for you and a system because you've systemized much of what you do and to the point where you're not starting from scratch, you're not even starting from the middle, you're starting from, you know, you can hit the ground running from day 1 once you get back in the saddle of whatever horse you're going to be riding. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the thing too, <laughs> I was thinking because I was thinking to speak to one musician about what life in music is like, or to start a band, you there there are so many ways to do it, and there are so many different stories and so many backgrounds. But your advice it, it seems to me to be fairly universal in the sense that you you just start to do it. Well, I would I would imagine, yeah, it would be universal. Um, I mean, and it's been it's been a long time since I started a band, um, so so I'm talking more. Um, maintaining man, a bit you're talking about maintaining man, maintaining the band because i think the starting part's kind of maybe as hard as it can be it's probably the easiest part and it's and and the biggest thing i've found is no matter how much fun you're having <laughs> eventually you want to get out of the garage or the basement yeah so there's got to be somebody and it doesn't have to be the the same person but somebody's got to be the salesman or saleswoman that and you got to be creative especially nowadays and and uh we never played with the intent of making money but we also never played without getting paid decently and you have to first have the band that's worth what you're asking and Mm -hmm. then and then you have to have a bit of a backbone when it comes to like you know if if you want to go and play for fun fine but if you're serious about actually having a band and i think you should make sure everyone's getting paid fairly and you shouldn't sell yourself short and that, that takes that takes a special kind of person well as you we were saying earlier you don't want to undercut other musicians because that just that just wrecks it for everyone and it, and these are people that you're going to one day want to work with and they're going to say, "Oh, you're the guy that undercut me. You, I was getting a gig for two hundred bucks. You offer them one fifty, and so I lost my gig. And you know, and you're only getting one fifty. Yeah, and it's and it's it's all it is a dog eat dog universe out there. Yeah, and don't be a dog. <laughs> if I always I always tried I always tried to be more of the solution than the problem. And right. I and that that involves thinking about the other bands and thinking about what you're doing when you undercut bands. Yeah. Well, the the ethical musicians, I think you'll find. I I mean, I don't know about you, but the people that are whenever some musicians and you and I both know who they are. You hear their name and you love them, whether you like their music or not. You know that they're straight shooters. You know that they operate ethically and professionally. And so whether or not you ever work with them, they build a reputation as being someone you would work with. And Mm -hmm. I think that is the most valuable commodity you can offer, not just as a musician, but as a human being, really. Oh, for sure. And it, but it, but it definitely uh, goes a long way to help your band because you want to be that band that, that they want to work with. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and as they say, starting out, you're, you're looking for those gigs where you can open for those bigger bands and you got to be a band they like mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. 
not what they hate. Well, you know, it's important. Oh. It's important to know what you want. It's important to know what you don't want. And the best way to find out what you want and what you don't want is to just jump in with both feet, give it a try, and uh, and yeah. be nice to each other. Be nice to people and treat people oh, well. for sure. And that's about it. All right. So before we let you go, I have to ask, is there something about which you are interested, any kind of hobby that you've never necessarily pursued or maybe dabbled in, oh. but would love oh, to wait. learn more about? Because the way this works is I'm going to go out and for next week, I'm going to find someone to talk about in some vague terms, something that's interesting to you. So what, what would that, what might that be? Hmm. Well, the thing that pops in my head right off the bat, and this is something that for that that has elated me because I I'm a guy that does a lot of stuff and 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 I enjoy doing a, many different things, but I've never been able to master video. And I would love to be able to learn more or or get involved somehow with with someone who could, you know, produce video you know what i'm like be able, able to do a music video like or? have no i mean like have a youtube channel where where you do like short videos that are like i have i have like all kinds of crazy ideas for for you know that kind of a video podcast or something like that um i even uh i i published the local newspaper here in paris uh called the paris independent and it's an online newspaper and i would love to even be able to take that to multimedia and have have uh, like we have a youtube channel but there's nothing on it because <laughs> i don't have i don't have the ways or the means or the skills when it comes to that so that's something i've always had a a lot of interest in but it's yeah. It seems far too busy to to be. Uh, well, it's so funny you say that because this whole this stuff. this whole chain started with a, a gentleman who's in financial planning. His first uh, the first episode we did this season was to talk about board games. All right, that was his thing, and he said he might be interested in learning about tap dancing. But I didn't mention to you that the board games that he do, he does he he's. I didn't mention to you that. He's in addition to loving board game, he actually runs his own YouTube channel called Legendary Tactics. Oh, neat. Where he is YouTubing with his buddies. Every couple of weeks, they get together, they do a big session, and they record a lot of video, and then they parcel it out in various uh, smaller videos over the course of the month. And they've been doing that for a, quite a while now. So yeah. I will actually send you a link to that episode if you want. Oh, you neat. Check that out. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Absolutely. Right. And I I I have some board games too. Oh, all right. Well, Chris, <laughs> thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time and it's been an absolute treat to be with you. We're going to make sure that everyone's got your links. Uh if you're on Facebook, look for the shenanigans. If you're a Celtic musician and you want to meet and get involved with uh, uh Chris and find out more about how the shenanigans work, Please do. I'm sure you. I'm sure. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm sure you'd be happy to answer any questions. If anyone has any questions about Celtic music, starting a band, I'm sure you could be a great resource. And is that all right with you? If I oh, for I, sure. And and I'm, I'm and I'm open openly looking for fellow Celtic musicians that want to want to rejuvenate the the whole uh, Celtic scene in in this area. Anything you want to leave your 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 growing list of fans with? Oh boy, I don't know. Just, just, um, I can't emphasize enough that at the end of the day, when you're when you're playing on that stage and you have that that magic moment, then you'll know why it was it was worth all the trouble. So it, it definitely, if if I discouraged anyone, I want to leave you on the, a high note that no, it's worth it. It is worth it. If you're asking, is it worth it? Is it worth all the trouble? It definitely is. That's great to know. Chris, thanks so much. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Take care. 
And that will do it for this week's installment of Mondo Rando Radio. My thanks to Chris Whelan for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, you can find him on Facebook under Shenanigans Band. YouTube, it's the same thing, Shenanigans Band. If you want to touch base with me anytime, it's Mondo Rando on Facebook, Mondo Rando Radio on Instagram, and you can email radiorando at gmail.com. That will do it for me, though, this week. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Chris. Next week, tune in for more great Mondo Rando goodness. In the meantime, get out there, have a wonderful rest of your day, and do your level best to find time to make someone happy. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye for now.